0: Yeah, you know what that means. Yeah, it is time for Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero here on what we thought, Clay, would be a, uh, you know, talk a little heat basketball, how they're playing, and, you know, maybe a little look at the playoffs and start thinking the offseason, the draft for the Dolphins. Oh, no, no. In in Miami, it's never that simple. (laughs) We wake up Sunday morning, it's Deshaun Watson rumors to Miami and the Miami Heat. I'll have their game postponed, and now there's COVID concerns. So, Clay, uh, as we start, I, I, I didn't think we'd be talking about Deshaun Watson, but I, I'll just go there. I mean, does it make sense for the Miami Dolphins for Chris Greer to at least pick up the phone and say, hey, Houston, do you have a problem? Because we can maybe give you a, a little. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can solve uh, your problem and, and solve all of
1: our problems really quickly, right? I, the short answer is yes, they should call. The uh, the longer answer, and, and I'm not going to go too too long with it because I don't think it needs a whole lot of explanation. I think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be a franchise quarterback. I think he is going to be a really really good quarterback. I know Deshaun Watson is already a great elite quarterback at the age of 25. I know he is greater than I think. Mm -hmm. and that's all you need to know so like we could sit here and go through oh but the salary cap but the what do you do about weapons this that there are ways that you can manipulate the cap and and surround somebody like Deshaun Watson with the playmakers that he needs So, so forget about all of that the bottom line is you get the guy that you know is the franchise quarterback and you do whatever it takes to get him if indeed it does become a realistic possibility
0: Amen. And look, there is a side to this that we know this could be all a ploy by Watson uh, to get some sort of more power uh, in the next head coach for the Texans. You know, they hired their GM and he basically thought he was going to have say, ended up not having say. There's a disgruntled feeling there that he wasn't really brought into the process. I get it. He could just be his agent. You know, look, it's leaked to Chris of VSPN. There's no doubt his agent may have just said, hey, let's, let's get this out there so that the buzz starts and this is nothing that's going to actually happen. And, and let's not forget, I mean, the Texans would actually have to trade him, and he would have to waive his no-trade clause. So there are a lot of elements involved here. But just for the sake of conversation, and certainly there's been plenty of it since the news came on Sunday, I mean, Clay, you hit the nail on the head. When you draft a quarterback, let's just go to the last few drafts, whether it's Tua, or go date back a couple of drafts to Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and then Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray and the and Haskins and – you know, you look at these quarterbacks now this year with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, your hope is always you're going to get a franchise quarterback. That's why you get a guy that early in the first round. But listen to the names I just listed. How many franchise quarterbacks are there? I mean, you can feel comfortable saying, I guess, Kyler Murray and, you know, Baker Mayfield have his team in the playoffs, obviously, but he's not a superstar quarterback. Deshaun Watson is a league of his own when it comes to that group. He is up there with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and the best in the NFL. Your hope is that Tua could be Deshaun Watson or something close to it as far as his level of play. So when someone says to me, like, oh, no, let's stay with the plan. Look, Clay, anybody who knows us, who watches our shows, who follows the pod knows I love Tua. And I think the Dolphins had the right guy to try to build around and try to grow. But I have no clue if Tua Tungabalo is going to be a franchise quarterback for sure. I do know Deshaun Watson is a franchise quarterback. That's it. That's as simple as it gets. Now, the question after that is, what would it really take? So I ask you, what would it really take? Well, you'd have
1: to give up Tua because I think any, and again, this is in this crazy world we're inventing where Nick Casario who just took over the Texans says, you know what? Sure. My first move as GM of an NFL team is I'm going to trade away a 25 year old franchise quarterback. That's what I've always dreamed of when I take over this job. So, so in this hypothetical crazy world, it's going to take Tua because at least then Houston will have a chance to, to groom somebody that we think can be a franchise quarterback. It's going to take the number three pick that you already took. Houston and Laramie Tunsil deals probably going to take your other first round pick this year and it might even take your first round pick next year and you know what that's fine and and so if if that is what it takes in order to to get a surefire 25 year old franchise quarterback into your building I'm fine paying that price I'm even fine if you want to talk about a second whatever like you just have to you have to get the main thing. And, and in the NFL, the main thing is getting a franchise quarterback as young as possible. So you can ma- maximize his best years. And you know, the, the thing that you're going to hear over and over, and, and this is part of the, we talk about it all the time about how it's kind of a blessing that if you're a sports fan, you have so many ways to be smarter now. Right. And, and to where, you know, 10, 15 years ago, if this topic comes up, I don't even think it's a debate. But I think people have gotten more educated about the salary cap and the importance of the draft and, and building through there and, and not, not strapping yourself cap-wise. But a good salary cap guru knows how to manage signing bonuses. And so I know everybody has their eyes on, on Jamar Chase, on Devontae Smith. On, on And look, I'm there too. And yet if you can get Deshaun Watson in the building – and you have a lot of really good potential number one receivers who are going to be available in free agency, you're going to have more picks in this draft where you can go out there and, and get somebody who could come in and who knows is maybe the next Terry McLaurin or or, or Chase Claypool, what, somebody in a later round that can supplement your your receiving core in addition to an Allen Robinson, Kenny got the bottom line, Will, is that don't overthink this. Just because we're smarter as as consumers of sports media and and what it takes to run a football team, don't overthink this and and try to make it any more than getting the most important part of your championship puzzle in the building. Just get them in the building if at all possible.
0: Yeah, you you worry about the rest because I think that you know the counterpoint to that I think probably listeners are saying and certainly we've seen it on social media. And I get it as people saying, well, this year he went, you know, four and 12, despite having a career season, he completed 70% of his passes, 4,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, over 400 yards rushing. I mean, he's an elite quarterback. Like I said, one of the top five QBs in the league and they still stunk. But when you look at the flip side of that is you have to say he's played for the Texans, a team that traded the Andre Hopkins in the offseason that had very little left. As far as true playmakers, he made the most out of a, just for lack of a better term, crappy situation. You would think that no matter how many assets, and you said, you know, two and uh, first round picks and all these things that you certainly would have to give, you would think the Dolphins with free agency uh, upon them. And as you said, flat, uh, you can always manage and finesse the, the salary caps somehow. Other draft picks in the second and third round, guys where you can get, you know, where you can get quality receivers and playmakers, maybe not a stud, but, you know, you, you may not get Devontae Smith there, but you can get good playmakers. And the core they already have. I'd be fine with that. I mean, I I don't, I wouldn't worry about, Oh, I gave up too many assets and now, now what can I build around a franchise quarterback? Because again, your goal is to get that franchise quarterback. There is as much of a chance that Tua ends up being a very good NFL quarterback to a bad NFL quarterback. than there is that he becomes a franchise quarterback and that's not based necessarily on his player. What we saw this season, that's just percentages. Of how rare it is that your quarterback turns out to be a top five, six players player, which again Deshaun Watson is. So yeah, I think you don't worry about that stuff. Now we say all this, and Clay, I always joke because our pod and sports we know is just for conversation and entertainment. This is all in fun. I, I think Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the starting quarterback for Miami Dolphins next season and for many seasons to come. I don't think they figure this out, as you said. I don't think a new general manager takes over this job. After years of wanting an opportunity in New England and you know, waiting for that perfect chance, and his first move is, let me get rid of the franchise quarterback. So <laughs> I really do think this is just all conversation and entertainment, but it is fun. I mean, it's fun to think about it, but I, I just wonder if the next step is Chris Greer picking up the phone and saying, hey, what's going on? Is there truth to this? You know, would you be interested? I think it's worth that phone call at least.
1: If he, if he didn't, he wouldn't be doing his job. And and the one thing we know about Chris Greer over the last few years is he explores every avenue. And and man, that's why like you get into to the silly season that they call it in the NFL, where you know the free agency rumors and and the the draft rumors and all that. And the Dolphins are always mentioned with with pretty much every player. And and frankly, I, I think that's because the Dolphins like that. And especially the last couple of years where. They had a lot of salary cap space and they were just fine, whether it's agents leaking that a team may be interested or teams leaking. All it does is it disguises whatever your true intentions are. And so I think that, that Chris Greer is somebody who, who knows how to play the game really, really well. And, and so I, I think he will absolutely pick up the, the phone and make that call and, and he wouldn't be doing his, doing his job if he didn't. And And I think at this point it's, the answer is probably going to be no. The one thing I want to make clear, though, is this is not a an indictment on where we think Tua is going. Like, this this is – you and I both agree that he has all the makings of being a franchise quarterback. He, he didn't wow you like Justin Herbert did, and like maybe Joe Burrow did in a couple of games this year, but I also think that his responsibilities were a bit different. And I, and I certainly think that how he's going to succeed as a quarterback – is, is not nearly what it would look like with a, with a Justin Herbert who's just going to wow you with all the physical talent in the world. Two is a guy that he's the consummate point guard. Like you're bringing him in to, to be a Steve Nash or a Jason Kidd. You're bringing him in to get the ball out to his playmakers. And so I, I just think that let's, let's be completely clear about this. Just because you and I are sitting here that, and saying that option 1A would be to get Deshaun Watson in your building – we're not saying that option 1B, which is sticking with Tua Tagovailoa and surrounding him with elite-level talent, is like 1B is like way far down the list beyond 1A. So the Dolphins are still in a phenomenal spot, even if they don't get Deshaun Watson in the building. But I still think that you, you have to explore whatever avenue it may take to get in there just so you know.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think, unlike, you know, it's funny, the psyche of Tua was something that was a, a, a you know, big thing of conversation when he kept getting benched, you know, those couple times for Ryan Fitzpatrick and had to look over his shoulder and the fourth quarters and all that stuff. I don't think this is something, you know, there's rumor, if it, it, it may just be this, Clay, it may just turn out to be a nice Sunday conversation with the Chris Mortensen report and speculation that goes nowhere. And, you know, and, and that's it. And that's fine it may be more, it may be more, hey, there have been numbers, you know, talked about draft picks and who and where and what, you know, and obviously two involved. I don't think this is a situation where two goes, oh my goodness, they're trying to get rid of me. I think as a player, you know, hey, someone's trying to get Deshaun Watson for me. Wow, somebody's, somebody must value me because I am would be pretty damn good if I'm part of a key central part of a package for a franchise quarterback. So I don't think this is something that really will affect the psyche of Tua. I do hope that whatever comes of it, that it does end soon. Like, I know we have fun chatting it and, you know, fans on social media and on uh, fans to themselves and on blog posts and radio shows and all that stuff. The reality is this is, you know, this, this probably shouldn't linger too long. Figure it out, see if it's a true option, and then move forward. Because you, Well, the funny thing of all this, it feels like months ago, but just a few days ago, you know, earlier last, in the week, you know, after the, the Dolphins game a couple days later, Chris Greer came out and said, two was our quarterback. That's it. I mean, he said anyone that was thinking maybe he was going to you know, be finesseful with his words and choose his words wisely. No, no. He said two is my quarterback two is yeah. our quarterback. And, uh, you know, we obviously will have options and everything's in consideration with the third pick as he should say. But again, I mean, he said clear as day twice. Two is my quarterback. And that's a mouthful for him.
1: You know, again, let's go back to what I just said. I mean, he, he loves to build the the mystery surrounding what his intentions are because it does no good to kind of telegraph. And, you know, because look, if you're, let's just say that, that he was planning on, on moving on from Tua. Well, it does no good to tell anybody that, because obviously the number one way to do that would be in the draft. And then if they know that you love quarterbacks, then maybe they're trying to jump ahead of you to make sure that, that you don't get your hands on Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, whoever the number one guy is that you want. If you are sticking with him, then telling the world that you are maybe does the opposite, right? Like, I I mean, then maybe teams don't feel like they need to jump ahead of you to get a quarterback. So maybe a position player that you may want. So for all of that said, I thought it was a mouthful that Chris Greer said that. And I I still think he feels that way. But at the same time, I I say it again, he's not doing his job if he doesn't explore every Avenue. And, And I think the one thing we know about him is, is he's going to explore all of that. So, so putting a bow on this thing, I. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I I don't think so. But I also think that just immediately dismissing it because, oh well, they've been building all these draft picks and and that's the plan and stick with the plan. No, man. Sometimes the the best plans are the ones that jump up and and bite you in the back while you're you're trying to follow through on your previous plan. So um, I think they'll make sure that if there's an opportunity there, they'll explore it. But regardless, this doesn't change what we've been talking about with the Dolphins for a long, long time now, ever since uh, the end of last year, that they're in great shape. They're in a great spot moving forward, that uh, they, have, they have built the foundation. They've got flexibility to make a move like this, but they've also got flexibility to, to build elite talent around the quarterback who they already believe is a franchise QB in the building.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think that's where the conversation ends, quite. I think that we've said – I think what people can understand is, like, yeah, you got to make the call. Sure, it's going to take a lot of assets likely, and you've got to figure out where your limit is. But certainly, you know, for a quarterback of his stature, I mean, a player of his caliber, or one of the top players in the league, you know you're know, you going to give up a lot. It's fine. You worry about the rest later filling the gaps. But I think the bottom line is the Dolphins like Tua. Dolphins are happy with Tua. The Dolphins expect Tua to develop. And the most likely thing that will happen this offseason is what we talked about last podcast is – You're going to find pieces around them in the draft. you got to go out and get playmaking receivers that fit more his style. Look, another storyline of this week, and I think that's where we go to next when it comes to the Dolphins, forget the Deshaun Watson talk. You need an offensive coordinator. Uh, And Chan Gailey stepping down slash getting pushed out slash getting fired slash leaving, whatever the heck you want to call it. I mean, parting ways, leaving – he decides to move on. I think we all saw the writing on the wall, given the end of the season, the way things developed or didn't develop between Chan and Tua. Relationship-wise, to a man, they both said, hey, we get along, we understand each other. But production-wise, it wasn't really there. I didn't think Chan worked to Tua's string. So when you talk about playmakers and players in the draft and guys to get, first things first, you need to build your offense structured toward, Chris Greer said Tua below is our quarterback. Okay, now get that quarterback an offense and a style and an identity that fits his skill set.
1: Yeah. And I think it's good that you're at least moving on with whoever it's going to be as soon as possible. If you can find a way to go and fill that spot quickly, like, I don't know, before this podcast is even released the sooner, the better, because you need to start formulating your off season plan. And okay. So do you need more of the big, strong guys who are going to go up and, and get the ball? Or do you need to get somebody, and we're talking about pass catchers here, or do you get to, need to get more guys who are going to create separation? If you look back at Tua's career at Alabama, he was really, really good at finding guys who were, who were getting open, finding guys who were getting separation. That sounds like such a, an obvious thing, but it's not. You have to be really good at reading defenses and understanding when guys are going to break free. The only difference in the NFL is those windows to throw through are a lot smaller, and, and I think Tua can do that but not as small as the windows that were or were not being created by the guys that, that you have on this roster right now. So you need to bring in somebody who who can say, look, in my offense, I need these types of receivers based on where your roster is right now. Like I I can use Devonte Parker to do this, but I can't use him to do this. So this is what we need to get, whether it's in free agency or the draft. And And by the way, that's not just with receivers. You need to figure out what's your running back situation. You need to figure out, okay, these linemen that we drafted this year who who showed improvement and progressed as the year went on, is that what you need for whatever the offense is that you're going to be running moving forward? And and I think that, that the smartest offensive coordinators are the guys who are able to come in and and build their system around the players that they have, at the same time – the Dolphins are in a unique situation where they really can afford to to kind of have the best of both worlds. Where it's not just bringing an offensive coordinator that's going to have to to to, to blend his scheme to the talent that's there, but the Fins have so much draft capital and 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 so much space available that they can afford to go and get guys who can be successful in the system as well. So, um, you know, I, I've said this over and over again. You've you've put yourself in a situation where. Uh, you know every franchise wants to be that you're good you've built a foundation and you've got the flexibility to get even better and I think that just makes you so marketable and so attractive to good offensive minds but the sooner the better get them in the building
0: yeah I think if you're a Dolphin fan too I mean this last week you know from from the Sunday last week when they got eliminated you, you thought you were they might make the playoffs they were positioned there nothing went their way they lose ugly in Buffalo they don't make the postseason you're bummed for a couple days I don't think it's been anything but good since then because you're, you're, you're part ways, whatever. Chan's gone. The frustration of Dolphins fans of the offense, Brian Flores basically knows, hey, that needs to improve. Uh, he talked a lot, as well as Chris Greer, about, look, we're headed in the right direction, but there are still things to build. The whole Deshaun Watson rumor, it just tells you, hey, I, I, a superstar player is actually saying, hey, I wouldn't mind being in that situation. That's right. Playing for Brian Flores, playing in Miami. To me, it just is a positive. It's building momentum toward that Miami can be a quality place and a great destination for NFL players, whether it be, look, it doesn't happen much in the NFL like it does in the NBA where players force trades, but obviously Deshaun Watson is trying to kind of set the standard different and p- potentially be that guy that forces his way somewhere. So when you look at a situation like this, it's actually been a good good week and a half for the Miami Dolphins since getting eliminated. They they went out and sent tours to their QB. They, Jan Gale is gone, so they're going to have an improvement there, hopefully with the coordinator. And now Deshaun Watson is saying, you know, potentially I want to be there if I'm going to be somewhere and I'm going to get traded. So if you're a Dolphins fan now, yeah, that's going to be a fun offseason, Clay. Uh, you got two picks in the first round. You got all these rumors swirling. You, you had a 10-6 and six season. This is not a bad place right now for the Miami Dolphins to be for year two of a rebuild.
1: No, it's a rare opportunity where your, your needs are so clear and it, it, it's supply versus demand as well. Like your demand is incredibly high, but the supply is also going to be there. And, and I'm talking mostly about receivers in that, you know, hey, if, if you decide, if you identify with your offensive coordinator that we need an Allen Robinson type, somebody who can, who can kind of do it all. Who's just great hands and and uh, you know knows route leverage and the type of stuff that you want from a, a a real number one receiver? Then that's your guy. If you want the big strong guy to come in and and who can also you know, uh, break free down the field, Kenny Galladay may be your guy in in free agency. Uh, you know, flip side, well, Chris Godwin. I mean, I mean, who knows if the Bucks are going to be able to yeah, franchise him? Let him go, but yeah, you're right. That's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, so. Like, you're, you're just going to have so many options available to you even before the draft, and then if you decide, oh, you know what, we don't, we don't really have a premium on any of those guys in this offense. We really like what Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase is going to bring, because those guys are kind of different receivers from the big guys that we mentioned. If you decide that that's the premium that, that you
0: want, that, that you're putting a premium on that in your offense, well, then
1: just wait till the draft,
0: because you are guaranteed to get your pick of them. It goes to our conversation last week. Extended to this week. You better get them early because I don't see those guys lasting until pick eighteen. Any of those guys you just mentioned,
1: right? Right. No, hundred percent. No,
0: and, and that's where
1: you you go back to having this perfect blend of having the flexibility and knowing that guys are going to be there. And so you know, to your point, you you're not going to wait to eighteen to get one of those guys. But if you have like the same grade on all three and somebody three picks behind you, two, three picks behind you, falls in love with a quarterback, well, you can move back. And, and you can drive, you know, say, say you recoup an extra third-round pick, and all right, so maybe you don't get Devontae Smith, but maybe you get Jalen Waddle, and then you pick a, a receiver with that extra third-round pick as well. Like, there's just so many ways that the Dolphins can attack this because of, of the position that they put themselves in. And so, you know, and, and you and I, we say this all the time, like we bring our own biases to the table where – you know, you you can look at this both as a journalist, if you want to call us that, covering the Dolphins, but you can also look at it from a fan's perspective where, man, if, if this were the Saints that had this type of, of flexibility, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy being a Saints fan and, and, and love what they've done, but, like, if you've got this kind of flexibility, it makes the offseason so exciting. If the, the, the Giants had this kind of flexibility, man, I know you, because I'd be the same way. Like, you would be – every single day you'd be on your phone looking at every mock draft, reading every single – uh, free agency update. There's just, it's just such an exciting time, and and I hope Dolphins fans kind of appreciate where they are right now because it's never going to be like this again. Where you got through a season that the weight of expectations really weren't there, you got to enjoy it, and then you own this off season because of your space and your 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 draft capital. You own this off season. I, I just. Like, I'm excited for Dolphins fans. I'm excited for us covering it. But don't take it for granted. This is going to be a really cool few months for for South Florida sports.
0: Yeah, it's going to be – look, we're going to continue this conversation with the Dolphins throughout the offseason, into the draft of April. This is – the Dolphins, as we've said along, are in a great position. Now, unfortunately, our next topic of conversation to wrap up this pod is the NBA not in a great position. And, Clay, none of this should be surprising, but it is unfortunate that it's happening so early in the season Uh, given how well the bubble worked out. You know, and on Sunday, the Miami Heat game was postponed in Boston. Contact tracing was the cause of it. The Heat didn't have enough players. The Celtics, even if the Heat had enough players, only had eight, which is the minimum. You can't have less than that. And they only had eight available because of COVID. The Wizards, the team the Heat beat on Saturday, were having their issues. Uh, The Sixers have had their issues. And and it's interesting because these are all teams that have played each other. And this is where the issue is going to be for Adam Silver moving forward is there are strict – rules the way the NBA has it for contact tracing it, which can keep guys out up until a week. And if a guy is positive, it could keep you out up until two weeks. So when you're looking at it from that point of view, Clay, I'm not at all, and I think you're in the same boat thinking, oh, cancel the season. This isn't going to work. I do think they could figure this out and make it work. But man, it is already a challenge. Luckily, there's some flexibility in the schedule and the length of the schedule. You could always advance things a little further. You could always hit the pause button for a week if you need to. Uh, if you're Adam Silver and things are going out of direction, but uh, where do you see where the NBA stands now, given what has happened in the last week or so?
1: Well, I'm not at all surprised because we've seen this in every other sport. And, you know, the difference I think between this and the NFL is obviously that the NFL has one game a week. So you can kind of wait and and play a game maybe on a Tuesday, but would have been on a Sunday, whatever. But, you know, this is, this is nothing new this is nothing that was unexpected. You you still put safety and health as the first priority, and, and you hope that everybody who tests positive comes through completely fine on the other end. You hope that anybody who it you know, was out because of contact tracing, they're okay. So, you know, we're we're having two separate conversations. the The health conversation is a given, and and I know you and I are on the same page well, it goes on that. The
0: same conversation, but you're right. It probably does need to be said that right,
1: no, right. I I just don't want. It's, it's weird because I feel like on every medium that we talk about this, you want to say that first just so things aren't taken out of context. So, um, you know, but, yeah, we said it a thousand times, but it, it is the most important thing. The separate conversation is what does that mean for the season? Well, it, it means that, that schedules are kind of written in pencil, and that's okay. It means that uh, there's a reason why – I think Bobby Marks said this on Sunday. There's a reason why the second half of the schedule has not yet been released. And it's p- because we, we really didn't know. We didn't know how, how many games each team was going to have to make up. And you know what? That's okay. And and the thing about the NBA, it, it, and this has been the case for, man, I don't know, 30 years or so. The regular season has always been for fun. It's always been for the the matchups, the excitement, the the, the great plays, the trash talking, the drama, all of that. The playoffs are, are what the, the season is going to be decided by, right? Like that's, when we look back at this, it's going to be, the, the champion is, nobody's going to look at this with any sort of, I saw somebody say this today, I, I think it was Sean Devaney had a piece that was aggregated where an NBA executive said, forget the bubble, this is the year of the asterisk. And don't give me that. Like we're, it's it. Just wait until the end of this thing.
0: Let's see. Let's see where we're at. And theoretically, to I think, play. I mean, to your point, theoretically, this should. And this knock on wood, this should get better as the season goes on. Right. Right. It it yeah. I, I got off on a tangent. I apologize I for that. Know, the I, bottom I, line is this
1: okay. is a temporary thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, this is we're hoping that that this is the one sport in hockey where it's going to start off when it's bad. And it's going to get better as it goes on and and so yeah, that's i to me well I, I was not surprised by it. you're bummed when games are are postponed because you you're concerned about the health of of people. you and I you know we we live for the games, we live for the excitement and all of that, and I, I'm sure fans do too, and you understand that that safety is most important, so you're disappointed, but i don't I guess I don't understand why every time there's a report it has to turn into this great, great debate about you know, whether, whether it's going to continue. Because I think we've seen that people are working really, really hard and they're, they're focused on finding ways to make it continue. Um, so you know, hopefully we don't, get, we don't get to a spot where that becomes a realistic conversation because that would mean there are more cases and I, I would just assume, hope that there are no more.
0: Yeah, and, and there will be, you know, there'll be issues, but look at the NFL, it got through it. Look at Major League Baseball, it you know, got through it. I know we're at a peak right now. There's no denying that. There's no downplaying that. There's no overshadowing that. But the NBA knew and the players knew that not being in a bubble, this was going to be an issue. You have to make it through this very difficult stretch. Like you said, number one is that everyone's healthy and they have the best doctors in the world and they're, they're, they're doing their best with the protocol and players are wearing their masks you know, around each other and around the facilities. You're trying to stay healthy, number one. Number two is you had the flexibility of the second half of the season. And number three is you're hoping that this vaccine Adam Silver says, I'm not going to let anybody jump the line, but eventually it will be available to all those that are not necessarily 65 and over, but you know, everyone in the general population. And when that time comes, you hope that things will get better. I mean, look, that's not even sports. That's just life, man. We're all like that just life in general. So that's where it stands with the NBA as uh, the season for now, you know, a pause on Sunday, we'll see how the rest of the week goes for the Miami heat and the rest of the NBA. But, uh, A lot to discuss in the next couple of weeks. The NFL playoffs, of course, continuing. Clay, always fun. Uh, That's our Miami sports. But hold on, I, I got the music. I found the music, remember? This is high tech. Oh, yeah. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk next week.